Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. God creates humans like us. God begets God. He makes sculptures like Him. He begets deity. Not only is He holy, 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 but He is divine. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we continue our study with John Piper looking at Luke chapter 1, a part of our Advent series, as we unpack the significance of the incarnation of Jesus, not just any child who was born, but the Son of God. Stay tuned for that message, but first, we'll be joined once again by David and Barbara Lehman as we talk about how to pass our hymns and our heritage of our faith on to the next generation. The many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Yeah. 
One of the things that I emphasize over and over again here on the Song Time broadcast is the importance of doing family devotions. Now, you need to be spending time in God's Word on your own, and you cannot rely solely upon a Sunday morning sermon or a Sunday school lesson. Uh, It's not enough to just go to a Bible study midweek, and it's certainly not enough to just listen to Christian radio, especially the Songtime broadcast. What we're doing for you is providing for you a sort of fast food meal that you need to sit down and prepare meals that are healthy and are rich in nutrition and, and meals that you can truly digest on a regular basis so that you'll grow and mature in your faith. This also should be done for your family and your loved ones, those in your closest circle of influence. Whether you're a father or a mother or even a child, doing a devotion with your family is absolutely crucial to your faith. And though I've encouraged you, you're probably wondering, I I hear what you're saying, but I would have no clue where to begin. It seems way too complicated and I don't know how to start. Well, our guests today are Barbara and David Lehman, and they've written an an excellent book called Our Hymns, Our Heritage, A Hosanna Hymnal. And in it are a lot of great resources that you could utilize as a foundation for your family devotions. Just think about how to include all of the things that you have on a Sunday morning, scripture reading, prayer, and songs as a part of your family devotion. So I'm curious, David and Barbara, how would our listeners use your book as a resource that could help them during their family devotions? Well, I would, first of all, look at uh, some of the topics, you know, like there's prayer or there's uh, the Holy Spirit or whatever. Or the church year, where you are in the year. The church year, yeah, where you are in the year, or Thanksgiving, and kind of pick passages of Scripture that are about that, and, and then sing following it. There's a great uh, book by Don Whitney on family worship. Mm-hmm. And he says, there's three things to do in family worship. If you do these three things, simple. it's simple. It's read the scripture, sing a song, pray. Amen. That's it. <laughs> you don't have to preach. You don't have to teach even. Just read, pray, sing. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately, Don didn't have any recommendations of where to get your songs. He said, maybe you can get an old hymnal from your church that's in a closet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted him to write about our book in, in his book. It's a great book, though, just yeah. called Family Worship. Yeah. Don's a good friend of ours here. And, uh, you know, if you haven't already sent him a book, I'll send him a book. So now he has oh, a <laughs> But this is actually really important because it lowers the bar because I think a lot of parents think that they have to have, you know, they have to compete with what's out there in the world. You don't have to have a cartoon show for family devotions. All you have to do is just, as you said, read the scripture, sing a song and pray. And it's as simple as that. But it also leaves an impression on the child. Yeah. Yeah. Another, I'm sorry. I I think in a funny way, if our children, we have four, uh, are any example because they did that and they learned to love hymns. Today, all four of them go to churches that sing hymns and teach sound doctrine. Mm. And I, I have to say, it wasn't so much because of the churches they grew up in, but because of the theology they learned singing and didn't want to leave that. 
Mm. We're surprised, honestly. And again, I would encourage, uh, you know, I go back to my one of my favorite statements, children love what they know. Mm-hmm. And so pick a hymn and stick with it for a while. Make sure that they, they truly know it. And then, I mean, children love, they're just little sponges. They love to take stuff in. And once they know it and they grab a hold of it, they're proud of it and they yeah. love it. And just like training them in the right foods to eat or anything else, if, if stick with one hymn until they know it well, and it will become a favorite hymn. You know, my, I, as a parent, I think I would just go through and pick out ones that I really liked. Yeah. You know, teach better what you like. I think that's really important because, you know, oftentimes we change it up because the parents get tired of it. But uh, the mm-hmm. kids love repetition. They Children need don't. repetition. Oh, yeah. Look how many times they want you to sing their, or read their book. <laughs> you Amen. Know? Yeah. There's, I think in, in our world today, there's this idea that we want our kids to to carry on the mantle of our faith. We, we want them to know and understand and love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the strategies we've used, at least over the last several decades, have not worked out. Uh, allowing kids to have their own program outside of teaching yeah. them history and the heritage of the church and, and allowing them to sit with the the hard truths of the Bible and not just kind of giving them the, the sort of tale stories. That has not proved itself to be no. a viable option to keep kids in church. And this is a book, I think, that uh, will uh, provide a resource for parents and grandparents to lay a firm foundation for those who come behind us. That's why I love the, the name that Moody chose this name, Our Hymns, Our Heritage. And I said, I love it because he uses the word our. Mm-hmm. These are children. These are your hymns. This is your heritage. And I, I love that word our in the title because they need to know this is this isn't the grown up hymnal. Mm-hmm. These are ours, and they will only become theirs if they know them. Mm. So. But I'm impressed, Adam, that of your at your uh, age generation, you have an appreciation for the hymns. Not everyone in your generation. Oh, does. many more do though. I think it's really growing. Well, it's growing thanks but... to you. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think that there is a desire from a lot in my generation that want to to see the history. We, we were kind of, not myself, but I think a lot of people in my generation were kind of uh, this bifurcated church. They were kind of held back from it. They weren't right. shown uh, the, the side of church. And uh, they're looking for what was often not provided in many cases. Yeah. We have a problem with the churches that divide contemporary and traditional yeah. And it often divides generationally in that. Yeah. Uh, we just think that's not healthy. One yeah. of my greatest joys was teaching the new young teachers that didn't know these hymns. They loved them. At mm. any age, once you start learning them, I think you love them. We've been talking with David and Barbara Lehman about their excellent book called Our Hymns, Our Heritage, a Hosanna Hymnal. It's a great resource and one that we'd love to make available to you as a thank you for your support to the Songtime Ministry, just make a prime rib sandwich donation to the Songtime Ministry, and we'll send you a copy of the book. It's like two gifts in one. You get a book, I get a prime rib sandwich, and we're all going to be happy. This is, the book is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of a secret now. You know how much I appreciate my prime rib sandwich. This book is better than a prime rib sandwich because a prime rib sandwich is, you can get through that in, in, in a matter of 20 minutes. But this book, this book will last for generations. In fact, you could probably pass this down in your family from generation to generation. That is how great this book is. And you can get a copy for an easy contribution of a prime rib sandwich to the Songtime Ministry when you write to us at Songtime Radio, 
P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. And make sure you write down that you want a copy of this book, Our Hymns, Our Heritage. Or you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com. Well, today we are continuing our study here in the Gospel of Luke. For this, our Advent series, we're breaking down the incarnation story of Jesus. This is building up the anticipation of celebrating Christmas Day as we look forward not only to celebrating the birth of our Savior, but in our own hearts, cultivating that desire to to see him fulfill his final and ultimate prophecy and promise that he said he would come again and establish his kingdom on earth. Today we talk about the attributes of this Savior that would be born, the Savior that we celebrate on Christmas. Here is John Piper with a closer look at Luke chapter 1. What kind of king? Tell us, what kind of king? Is it a king we would want to have, or is it a king we would be afraid of having? And there are four words in this paragraph that answer that question, and I'll just give them to you briefly. Number one, first word, holy. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child will be, to be born will be called holy. Let that land on you with good news. It's good news because it means that by the time he's ready to die, this holy, holy, holy child grown up into be a holy, holy, holy man will be an absolutely perfect Lamb of God with no blemish and no stain so that when He lays Himself out on the cross, it will not be for His own sin. But whose? Mine. Yours. The holiness of Jesus is a gift of unparalleled worth. It is so great, so pure, so undefiled, it can bear the sin of the world. And secondly, when he rises, having made purification for sins, he will be a flawless king. Holy, holy, holy in his dying for us, and holy, holy, holy in his ruling over us. That's the first word, holy. Second word, son, son of God. Verse 35, again. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. He is God. God creates humans like us. God begets God. That's another quote from C.S. Lewis. Little rabbits have little rabbits. Little frogs have tadpoles that become frogs. And God has God. He makes sculptures like him. He begets deity. So the second thing to say about this king is not only is he holy, 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 but he is divine. Let that land on you for the kind of king you might want because If you have a king who is pledged to care for you and protect you and guard you from all enemies that would bring you to ruin, you want a king who has the kind of power that has no supreme 
And God has no body above him. So if the king is God, you're safe. Number three, the word Jesus, verse 31. Oh, how precious this name is. Behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. God did not leave it up to Mary to choose to name this boy. He didn't leave it up to Joseph. I will decide what my son will be named, and he will be named Jesus. Why? The sound of it? It rings with the last name? No. Jesus. Jesus is an English transliteration of the Greek Jesus. Just change the I to a J. And Jesus in Greek is the counterpart in Hebrew to Yeshua, which means Joshua, which means deliverer, savior. So when God chooses to name his son, he says, name my boy, savior. It's exactly what it says in Matthew 1.21. You will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He gave him a name. Just let that land on you. I name him Savior. I name him Savior. I name my God, man, son, Savior. Could a purpose be any clearer? He did not come to judge. That will come if we reject the first coming. But for now, it's, I'm coming to save. My name is Jesus, Joshua, Savior, Helper, Deliverer. That's the third thing to know about the King. First, He's holy. Second, He's God. Third, He's coming to save. Another very important reminder in today's study, as the incarnation story shows us, that Christ was born holy and sinless. In fact, this was the only way that our sins could be dealt with. There is no alternative. There is no substitute that we as humans could put forth as the the bearer of our sins. The Bible says that we needed a propitiation. And here I am trying to bring theology words and terms back to our common language. I would love to see the word propitiation back in our common speech. You know, especially on a day like today, we're talking about Prime Rib Thursday. And after I eat my sandwich today, I can tell you I will be propitiated. That means I will be satisfied. I will have been filled up uh, by that sandwich because uh, I, I it is it is satisfying in just one sandwich to be a full meal. That is how dense and how rich and how wonderful this sandwich is. Well, the same can be said of the word propitiation, that Christ was the one who fully satisfied the requirements that God set forth for someone to bear the, the sins of the world, but he was also didn't, wasn't dying for his own sins. He was dying for your sins and my sins. Therefore, he satisfied the wrath of God. And the Old Testament talks about drinking the cup the full cup of God's wrath. It was all poured out on Jesus. And he drank it down to the dregs. That means he drank it all the way to the last drop. What makes that important? What makes that significant? It's the fact that Jesus is the only one who could satisfy and pay the full payment that was due for our sins. That's the story of Christmas. The incarnation, the, the virgin birth, all of these things tie in to be a very crucial component that without all of these individual steps, with just one detail changed, that Christ would not be a sufficient Savior for you and me. But by the grace of God, 
He kept all of his promises. He orchestrated all of the events. He put everything in its proper place. And through Christ, we have a Savior that can satisfy the requirements of God and satisfy the punishment for your sin and my sin. And he can save us and bring us into a right relationship with God once again. This is the gospel, and it's what we try to articulate on a daily basis here at Songtime. It's easy to talk about it here at the Christmas season because it is fresh in our minds, and we're talking about it, we're hearing it in the songs and the radio, we're hearing it all over with the Christmas music, even shopping in the mall. But these are opportunities for us to know the gospel so that we're ready to share the gospel. And that's really our ulterior motive. We want to rehearse the gospel so many times here on the broadcast that it's fresh on your mind, you're thinking about it, and as you're crossing paths with other people, you are ready to share with them the wonderful truths, the saving power of Jesus Christ. If we've been able to bless you, would you be a blessing to us? We have a commitment to you. What is your commitment to us? If you have been encouraged, consider giving back to the Songtime Ministry by writing to us at Songtime Radio, PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow as we continue our study here in Luke 2, not only that Jesus is a holy Savior, but also what he effectively accomplished as he came in the virgin birth. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Which means that all of his holiness, and all of his divinity, and all of his Jesus-like saving mercy counts for you forever. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. <laughs>